Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler, and this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips. From the state of Georgia, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, and Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. Now, there are over 1,800 live shows on the Blog Talk Radio website at this hour, and you will find this show tonight on page one of that website. Just look for episode uh, 295, the Gospel Light Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give, give me a call at the Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910 Zero five. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and study along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day. 
and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. For we pray that you will be with my co-host, Glenn McMillian, as he breaks into our listeners the bread of life, and also my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman, who will be answering the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that they will you will bless them and their families that support their efforts, that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will be with our listeners who are tuning in to this radio broadcast via blog talk radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, and that they may consider their eternal stance before you and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord who died such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful until death. Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. In the first segment of the broadcast, we have a question from my shout-out platform on social media, Facebook, that I'll be posing to my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. He serves with the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. And then to close out the show, my co-host, Glenn McMillian. He serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. He'll be making this proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, we'll be having our shouted out question with my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Just for a crown of love in the light. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out, question. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out that we want to pose to my co host, Brian Christian Coleman, who serves the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. We also want to encourage our listeners to go to that uh, group there on Facebook and get involved in those biblical discussions. Brian, how are you doing this evening? I'm well, my brother. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Now, we have a doozy of a question for you on the broadcast this evening. Are you ready? I'm always ready, my brother. When we're coming <laughs> to God's Word, it's good to be ready. And I Amen. know you always have a doozy of a question. Amen. Amen. Now, this question is from an anonymous query from the state of California. And the question is, should a congregation have deacons before they actually have elders? What say you to this question? Well, it's very interesting that you asked this question, my brother. Uh, Basically, I've had discussions with members of different congregations below the Macy-Dixon line uh, and also out west and different brethren uh, in reference to having elders and deacons. And one of the great things I can say is it's so wonderful when you can see a congregation work and develop and grow to the area where they can have elders and deacons in their congregation. It is not an option for us to have elders and deacons, first of all. It's not an option, whether a congregation does or doesn't. We are commanded by God's word that we are to have elders and deacons in place in the congregation itself. You have some congregations have a minister and may have something called a leadership committee. But that sounds nice because you're getting some things done, but it's not according to God's word. God does not want us to have a leadership committee. He wants us to have elders and deacons in the church that take on the responsibilities and the growth, the development, and the workings of the church. The minister cannot do this work by himself. And we're so glad that God had planned it this way that he knows that the man cannot, one man cannot do this work. It takes an entire group of men who are the minister, the elders, and the deacons, and the congregation itself to come together 
to work in, in working a having a better, stronger relationship in their local congregations. Let me first start off by mentioning when we mention about elders and deacons, the elders and deacons are only for that particular congregation. Now, in denominationalism, if you say an elder or a deacon, it's just like saying a pastor. They're over several congregations or bishops, etc. And even a bishop is out of order because it's only a person who's a member of the church and not a preacher. And that's the only time we should be calling a minister, uh, a brother bishop. They have to be first an elder as well as a minister of that congregation. And they only are the minister or the bishop of, of that particular congregation, not a group of congregations, but that one congregation only. If you turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, basically that gives us the qualifications of elders and deacons, which we will read in a minute. But to answer the question, I recommend strongly, and the Bible does not give us any direct way of how it should be done, meaning should a deacon be made before an elder, but I agree that we should have elders and deacons simultaneously at the same time in the congregation. And you just can't have one elder. You need to have more than one. Not just an elder. The Bible doesn't teach us that. It teaches us to have elders and have deacons. So I would recommend at least two or three elders or two or three deacons in reference to a particular congregation. And they should be done simultaneously at the same time. That is the way I believe it should be done. That way things are done in unity and also in order the way God wants us to be. You can't have one elder. I remember a story the late Dr. Eugene Lawton told me one time when he was the minister of a church, a congregation there in Oklahoma. Uh, there was a situation where the congregation had three elders. When he first started preaching, uh, basically one elder moved away, which left two. But what happened is one elder died, and there was one elder left. And that elder had to step down because you have to have more than one elder, just like you need to have more than one deacon. So I would believe that the congregation needs to have more than one elder, more than one deacon. And the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Can I stop just a moment and just deal with this? You should not put an elder or a deacon in there because they're good with business. Hello. They're good in taking care of uh, issues in the city. Hello. That should not be. A man should desire to want to be. You just don't put a person up there because they are this or that. They have to want to be there. You can't just put a person up just because of a good standing they may have in their local congregation or good standing they may have in the community. That is not the qualification. They have to desire to want to be an elder or a deacon. So that's the first thing. A man has to have a desire to want to be an elder or deacon. And the Bible teaches us in verse 2, a bishop, meaning an elder, then must be blameless. That means he has to have a good reputation, not only in the church, but also in the community. He must be the husband of one wife. Hello, I mean, you can sit there and say that a person can have a plurality of wives. The Bible teaches us that he must be the husband of one wife and no spare is. Say amen when you can. He also must be vigilant. 
sober. Now, sober does not mean drinking. Hello. That's not what this word means. Sober in his mind. He must have a good thinking mind of himself, of good behavior. I think that's self-explanatory. He can't be in the, in, in the church house on Sunday morning and you find him at the bar on Sunday afternoon. No, he should be of good behavior. That means he has a good behavior not only amongst those in the church, but also in his job where he visits. He should have good behavior. Given to hospitality, hello, he's got to be welcome to show hospitality toward everyone and also apt to teach. This brother who you want to put up for an elder or deacons, they should know how to teach the Bible. Hello, you go to some congregations and they don't preach, they don't teach, they don't do anything. Just sit back and give orders. But that individual should be apt to teach. Then the Bible says, not given to wine. I think that's self-explanatory. Not a striker, not of greedy, of greedy, of filthy lucre. Meaning he shouldn't be out there trying to do things which is not right in the sight of God. But he should be patient. You got to have patience when you're an elder or a deacon. Hello. You got to be patient because you're going to be dealing with some crankified members of that congregation. I'm not talking about your congregation. I'm talking about it's in general because you're going to be dealing with different people, dealing with different problems, and they all have different temperaments. Some of them are easygoing, while others are going to drive you out of your mind. Say amen when you can. Not a brawler. I think that's self-explanatory, meaning if he don't get his way, he's ready to pick up his fist. He should not be of that nature. And also, he's not covetousness. Hello. That means he's not trying to get as much as he can, but he's an honest, decent person. And here's something very important. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. He shouldn't be one that's an anamsy, pamsy, no backbone man. I'm bringing up Dr. Lawton again. I'm seeing like I'm taking on some of his characteristics. And the verse 5 says, For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the, how take, care he take, take care of the church of God? That man, that man needs to be able to meet, rule over. doesn't mean he give orders, but he, has, he is a leader of his house, meaning what he does and what he says, his family should follow right behind him. That means he should be a man that is a leader in his home. That means he lives by example. That means his family looks to him, and he is doing those things which are right in the sight of God. Also, he's not a novice. You know what a novice is? Somebody that thinks they know everything. Hello, you got some members of the church are like that sometimes. He's not that kind of person. If he knows he doesn't have an answer to a particular question, guess what he is not going to do? He's not going to act like he knows everything because he's going to seek God's word for the answer. Left being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. See, he shouldn't be a prideful person. He's level-headed. He understands he doesn't know everything. That's why you just can't have one elder. You've got to have more than one, because the two or three of you need to be able to work together in resolving problems. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. That means he should be known, have a good report with those at his job, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, much the deacons be grave, not double-tongued. That means someone who's not a double-minded man. 
And the Bible tells us that a double-minded man, he's not right in any way of his life, not given to much wine, not greedy, greedy of filthy lucre. Sounds like some of the things we talked about, holding the mystery of the faith and the pure conscience, meaning he knows God's word. And lest there be, verse 10, and lest these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless, meaning he should be somewhere in a good mind and good spirit. Also, not even so, much their wives be grave, not slanderers. You know, you got some wives, I hate to say it, they, are, they talk just as much or more than those in the world. So we got to be careful of the wives. See, this teaches us that not only the man has certain qualifications and responsibilities, but his wife has certain responsibilities in behaving. And he should be the husband of what? One wife. That's in verse 12. Ruling their children, their own house well. That just tells us everything that we need to know in reference to being an elder or deacon. So to answer the question, you should have elders and deacons simultaneously. That way things can run decently and in order. I pray that I've answered this question to the best of my ability, using God's word to stand, to stand by and to guide us in the proper way. If there's any other further questions regarding to what I've said tonight, please let Brother Butler know so that I will come back again with another, at another point and answer the question again in a more disciplined and simple manner of the word of God. May God bless all of you and have a good evening. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets rough. So rough, so rough. Sometimes it gets tough for me. Has anybody been lonely all by yourself? Has anybody been sad, broken hearted and sad? Have you even been dead? You had to cry all night.
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host Glenn McMillian and his subject telling the story. Good evening and welcome once again to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I, I am Glenn McMillan. I am uh, working with the Waterview Church of Christ here in Richardson, Texas and tonight I'm talking about Telling the story, and uh, what's uh, got me thinking about this is that uh, we are having, or not we, one of the congregations in this area, Preston Press Church of Christ, is putting on a seminar this weekend uh, called Telling the Story, and it's it's training uh, people who want to be involved in evangelism, and so that's got me thinking about the topic of evangelism, you know, this is sort of a plug for that event. If you're in the area, come check it out. Um, but at the, at the same time, it's got me thinking about uh, why is this kind of event necessary? Um, as you know, if you've been paying attention to this show, if you've been listening to my segments especially, uh, I've been talking about how uh, Christianity is in trouble in this country, not just this country, but the, the Western world in general. Um, we're seeing a decline in people who call themselves Christian, who identify with Christianity uh, in broad strokes. Uh, and, and even if you look at it, if you want to narrow it down to the Church of Christ, uh, we're seeing the same trends in the church that we're seeing uh, around, that, that there is a Decline. It's a slow but steady decline uh, in the number of people who claim to be part of the church and a growing number of people who are, are nothing. They don't, they don't claim any religion uh, at all. So they're in the, uh, the wake of that reality. There is a impetus on our part to, to say, what can we do about it? Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of different strategies that, that come up that people have tried to, to try to stem the tide, to try to get back to the numbers that we were used to seeing, um, if you're focused on the numbers. Um, but what's really going to work and what, what it all is going to boil down to is that we've got to tell the story. We've got to be out there doing the work of evangelists. And... So we have to adapt in certain ways in order to, to get things done. And I've talked about this, but the, the, the people that we're talking to are not the same people we were talking to 20, 30, 50 years ago. Uh, this is a new group of people, and they need to be uh, dealt with in a different way. Uh, but we'll come back to that in a little bit. I want to uh, start by, you know, um, this is preaching uh, to to the people who are listening, which uh, according to my metrics is nobody, but uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm I'm hoping that this this will, will reach someone 
to who's listening right now. Um, but I'm also preaching to myself. I mean, I, I am part of this, this group. I'm part of uh, the church. I am a proud member of the Church of Christ. I have been uh, for my whole life, and I've been not a minister, but I've been in the and working in this in the ministry for uh, quite a long time. So it is something that is concerning to me. Uh, how can I do a better job of being an evangelist, of, of telling this? We all know the Great Commission. I probably don't even have to read it or quote it. We know what, what I'm referring to. Jesus said, uh, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. And we know this. We know that we have the responsibility uh, to preach the gospel to everyone. Um, and and we, we we say it all the time. You know, go go we are go ye means go we. That it, it refers to us as well. Uh, but what we don't see is a lot of movement in that area. You know, back in the day, we used to be door knockers. We used to be, you know, as uh, invested in door knocking as the Jehovah Witnesses and the the Mormons are. Um, But somewhere along the line, by and large, uh, we stopped doing that. And uh, the question is why? 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 is evangelism something we, we talk about? We say that we are interested. We say that's important. It's not something we do. Um, <laughs> so I think the, the, the first big objection that I think we get when we ask people why, you don't, why they don't evangelize, why, why, are, why aren't we going out, why aren't we telling the story, is who am I going to tell, right? The... Um, I think that we as you know, as Christians, we come together as Christians, we develop friendships within the church, we hang out with other Christians, we our whole social uh, especially if you you know, if you're a a person that has a has a full time job, you, you go to your job, you go to church, you go home. That's that's basically your entire uh social life. And so, if you if that's your entire uh, your entire world, you know, who are you left to evangelize? And you know, we talk. Okay, you go to your job, but if you're you know, at many jobs, many types of uh, companies, mine included, uh, we had a big training at the beginning of the year when I when I first joined my job, and they specifically call out. Having a conversation with a coworker about religion, with the goal of converting them to your religion, is something that is hostile work environment will get you fired immediately. And so, I understand why people are hesitant to uh, have a, have Bible study at, at work. Uh, and then, if you're at home, obviously you're not engaging people who are going to hear the gospel. And then when you're at church, well, everybody at church already knows <laughs> ostensibly the, the gospel. So I can un- I understand. I, we, we exist in those 
those those three worlds, and there's not a lot of opportunity um, to to be evangelistic when that is uh, your social circle. And of course, the 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 only answer to that is that you've got to expand your circle, and um, you've got to find opportunities uh, and, and to break your routine and and make those connections happen. And again, I, I I am just as guilty about that as anybody else. I I am a homebody. I'm a, an introvert, and um, Christianity is not designed <laughs> for people like me. Uh, I I would given given the opportunity uh, to do anything. If stay home is on the table, I, I'm going to choose to stay home. Um, but the gospel requires us to to go. It does. It does. Staying is not is not conducive uh, to evangelism. We've got to go places. We've got to go out. We've got to meet people. We've got to get comfortable talking to people that we haven't talked to before in order to meet the people who have the need to hear the gospel. Uh, so, and on the other side of the who am I going to tell is, well. We live in America. We, everybody already knows this story. And, and again, to a certain extent, this is true. And, and we've talked about uh, this before. Even when we're talking about this group of people who are unchurched, who say that they don't have any religion, uh, they are not ignorant of Christianity. In fact, most of them have left some kind of Christian denomination in order to become the nothing that they are. When we say that no one, everybody has already heard the story, there's no need for me to go out, there is some truth to the first part of that, 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 that people have heard the story, but have they heard the story the correct way? I mean, a lot of the people that are, have left these denominations have left denominations that were never teaching the, the gospel in the first place. We're never t- telling the story correctly in the first place. So they haven't heard it correctly. They haven't heard it from you. <laughs> they haven't heard it the way that it's supposed to be told. Um, the uh, other, I mean, then they have never been exposed to the true gospel of Christ in, the, in a way that makes sense to them that comes from a person that is close to death to them, that can, all of those layers of hurt and damage that has been done by some other uh, type of congregation. And, and that kind of relationship is, is only going to happen, again, if you are out of your comfort zone, if you're having a conversation with a person that is willing to, to have that conversation with you. Um, and it's going to take work to get kind of get to that to that level, um, and it's it is not easy to to build those kind of relationships. With, again, especially if you're not out there trying to build relationships uh, with with people who need to hear the gospel. And then the third most common thing you hear is that I don't know what to say. What I, I have no nothing to say to you. I have I have no way of 
engaging on that level. And again, I, I understand. I, I, as we talked at the, at, the, at the beginning and as we just kind of mentioned, um, these are a different type of people that then we have been traditionally uh, cultured to, to dealing with when we talk about evangelism. Um, when we talk about evangelism, we're talking about going into far-off places with, with people who have never heard the gospel before and telling them about, you know, sin and salvation, and then they're going to be excited about that and they're going to, to, to want to come and, and know Jesus. Um, and while there are places where that is still a thing that happens, uh, we, we're dealing with a different population. We're dealing, again, we're dealing with people who know about Christianity, who have at one point in time been members of some kind of quote-unquote Christian church. And um, their objections are going to be different. They're going to be very specific. They're going to be very nuanced. And, you know, it's going to be more than just, you know, I told them this, I showed them the verse, and they got it. They're going to have questions. They're going to have objections. They're going to come back at you with a counter. What, do, what am I supposed to say to them? But, of course, this is the easy one, right? You can be trained <laughs> to know what to say in those situations. You, you, it takes study. It takes uh, the ability to anticipate uh, what objections a person might have, what background they come from. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, or at least we used to, be really good at this when it kind of came to dealing with other denominations. We know what they teach. We know how to prepare for what they're, what they're coming with. Uh, we know where to go in our, in our Bible when, when they bring up certain arguments. Um, and, and, and we're on our way. We, we're, we're prepared to have that conversation. The problem is when we're dealing with these unchurched, non-religious people, they don't operate in that way. <laughs> they don't respond to the Bible in that way. Some of them won't respond to the Bible at all. You're going to have to make different arguments based on different uh, logic, based on different authorities um, than you would normally do. But again, that can be learned. That can be dealt with by studying some of their, their arguments, studying some of their materials, and practice by actually having these conversations. When you go out and you have conversations with people who are not Christians, and just them, you know, tell me why you're not a Christian. Tell me why you don't believe in this thing. And just listen to them. And they will give you <laughs> all the reasons why they're, they're not interested and those are things that you can use to build on, okay? So if somebody says this, how am I going to answer it? How am I going to, to respond to it in a way that makes sense? So, so all of these things are things that we are, are um, in the position to, um, to get over in order to be more uh, proactive when it comes to evangelism. And, and we can... We can learn how to do this. The things are not hard to do. The thing is, how do we overcome the things that, that are really blocking us 
But those things, those things are reasons, but they're 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 more excuses, aren't they? Right? Those aren't really what's what's blocking it. There 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 are a couple of things, but they really come boil down to one thing, which is which is fear. And and what are we afraid of? Uh, I think when it comes to uh, some of these things, we're afraid of losing these connections, right? As we talked about, we don't go out of our comfort zones very often. And when we do, we don't have very many connections on the outside of our our friend group uh, who are non-Christians. And and when we do, those are people who are our friends. Those are people that we trust. Those are people we have good relationships with. And we don't want to lose those relationships. And I understand that. Um, and when we talk about volatile topics, you know, we've, we've been taught since we were very young, we don't bring up politics or religion <laughs> in, in polite conversation because those things are likely to take a what was a cordial relationship and blow it up uh, if you have a difference of opinion. Um, even when you like each other, <laughs> Otherwise, once you find out that you have a difference of opinion on on these kinds of topics, all of a sudden it becomes we can't have a relationship. And I mean, to a certain extent, I think we understand this, right? I mean, when when we tell, when we're saying that I'm going to teach you about Jesus, I'm going to teach you how to be saved, you're implying to that person that you're, you're not saved and that you're on your way to hell. And while that's true, it's not something that somebody wants to hear. <laughs> and especially if they hear it from a person that they uh, loved and trusted, they're going to feel like they're being attacked. They're going to be defensive. And then they're not going to want to continue to have the conversation and in a lot of times, they're not going to want to continue being your friend. And I understand that that's a risk. That um, that's why Jesus, when Jesus said he, he came not to bring, bring priests but a sword, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. The things that he's teaching are going to be controversial. They're going to cause division in some cases, and, and in some cases, you're going to. Um, lose some relationships in the process of trying to bring people to Christ. This is a known risk in in, in evangelism, in, in in being a Christian in, in general. Um, the question is: Are you willing to risk that relationship in order for the possibility? of bringing that person to Christ or you can maintain that relationship for the rest of your life only for to watch that person be lost when it matters. I know that's not an easy choice to make. It, 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 it's not a, uh, a comfortable thing that we want to sit with. But it's the reality of the situation. Do we care 
enough about this person to confront them, to to challenge their, their position. Another thing we might fear is we might, we might fear rejection. I, I think we fear, you know, I'm a person who, who's always had this, this fear of rejection, this, this fear that if I go out there, I put myself out there, I do all this work, I'm not going to get anything back from it. And that's going to feel worse than not going out there at all. Um, and, you know, I know people who they're naturally born, they've got that salesman thing that they don't, rejection doesn't, doesn't bother them. They, they, it rolls right off their back. They don't, it, it doesn't uh, trip them up at all. But to me, this is a this is a high stakes game for me. I'm going out there. I'm, I'm taking the time to go out there and have a Bible study. I am putting myself on the line for this person to have it not work out. To me, is a devastating. Um, and I know that this is a, a way for that a lot of people who are are introverts, especially. Um, but who just don't have that uh, that salesman mentality when it comes to these kinds of things. Um, it, it, it's hurtful, and, and and to avoid that personal pain of rejection, we would rather just go along and get along with, with people and never really tell them the truth about their spiritual self situation. Um, We've got to get over this. The Bible tells us that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. And we've got to embrace that, that God is going to be with us, that God is the one that's going to be doing the work. We are vessels for him to work through. And all we are responsible for is telling the story, getting the message out there, letting people know that there is a Savior who wants to give them eternal life. And this is how you do it. And these are the things that you're going to have to give up in order to to get there. It's very simple. It's not a lot of responsibility in our part. But at the same time, it's critical. We have been entrusted with the word of God. Treasures and earthen vessels, as, as Paul says. It or, in order to bring people to Christ. They've got to be taught, they've got to be shown the way. And God has given us that responsibility. It doesn't make sense to a lot of people. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to the people that we're talking to. I one of the things that I do um, in in preparation for these kinds of encounters is I read um, what some of these atheists will, will say and to what is a poorly formed question, but it, they were asked, uh, you know, what happens if you if you got to the end of your life and and you did face God in judgment. What are you going to say to him 
why you never believed in me. And what this guy said was, I'm going to say to them that, first of all, you never showed, showed yourself to me. You never made it blatantly obvious that, that you exist, which we can deal with that. But on the other hand, in all of the people that you sent to me that, who, who claimed to be your representatives, they came with arguments that were unconvincing, illogical, and, and just didn't make any sense. They had no evidence. They just had these unconvincing arguments. And so there is the, the quality of the arguments that we make that has to in, get better. And, I, and I've talked before in other lessons about some of the arguments that we've made in the past, you know, Pascal's wager and you know, some of these other types of arguments that sound kind of good to people who already believe, but to people who are on the outside and are thinking critically, um, they don't pass muscle. They don't. They don't really make sense. So we've got to raise the bar. What What are the kinds of things that would make sense to a person who is outside? How do we make it make sense to them? And we have to again be willing to to challenge the logic, challenge the um, the arguments that we've been making. <clears throat> and, and and make sure that they are they are sound arguments. Um, but again, we can't focus on uh, we're at, we're at a disadvantage, I, I guess we would say, because we can't do what we normally would do and, and fall back to well, this is what the Bible says. Because to a person who doesn't believe the Bible, this is what the Bible says doesn't mean it. It doesn't help. But we have to know how to address this in a way that makes sense and good. Um, and, and it's tough. It's a challenge. And, and, I, and I, I understand where the fear comes in. Because, again, I'm, I'm talking to myself here. I share <laughs> in this thing. So there's a fear of being challenged. There's a fear of being rejected. There's a fear of being wrong. And there's a fear of looking like you don't know what you're doing. But the spirit of fear is not from God. That fear is just something that the devil is using to keep us in check, to keep us at home, to keep us from doing the work, stopping some somebody who could be saved, somebody who, who could only be reached by you making the effort. So the question really is, what's stopping you? What's stopping me? I, I talked about what's stopping me. <laughs> I talked about the things that I struggle with. What, what's stopping you uh, from going out and, and doing more in order to to preach the gospel, to, to let people know how to be safe? There is a way to to help you out. If there's something that, that you think you could do, you know, how could we get this off the ground? How can we uh, 
work together on this. And I think that that's going to be the key. It's, it's, these things are a lot easier if you can work together with your brothers and sisters in Christ who are, are like-minded. And I think that's one solution that we don't, you don't have to do this alone. You can, you can work with people at your congregation. Don't wait for, you know, your preacher or your elders to put together, you know, we got we to gotta start a class. And we gotta be, it's, it's, if, that were, if it were that easy, <laughs> we'd already be doing it, right? Um, and the reason why most congregations are not uh, doing that right now, and I mean, I, I don't have a good answer for that, actually. I don't, I, I, I don't know why uh, evangelism isn't having a permanent evangelism class, having a permanent evangelism focus is not more top of mind for more congregation. Um, and I, I really wish I could, could give you an answer on that. But if your congregation isn't doing it, ask, going to the minister, going to the elders, and asking them to do it. I mean, you can do that, and I would, I would recommend doing that. But don't wait for them <laughs> uh, to get off the ground. You, you probably need to find one or two people who are, are like-minded and who are skilled, uh, don't go a half if – you, if you don't know what you're doing and you, and you don't go half-cocked on this, but uh, find people who are, who are knowledgeable, who are willing to do the study, and, and start there. Start with the study. Start with the, the thinking about how are we going to go out and, and do this? How are we going to be effective? doing this? Who are we going to to talk to? How are we going to approach them? What are we going to uh, how are we going to answer when we get these particular kind of uh, objections? And then, once you're comfortable with that, you go out and start having these conversations. Start, again, by listening. Uh, what are, why are you doing what you're doing now? Why are you not a Christian? Why are you a Baptist? Why are you doing that? Listen to what they have to say. Take that back. Do your research. Then go back and say, can we have a conversation about what the Bible says about this? Or can we have a conversation about what I believe and how I, I believe that it's rational to believe in a God and specifically, the God of the Bible. It's not easy, and it's not—it's not a a thing that I expect <laughs> a lot of people uh, to be ready and willing to do uh, at the drop of a hat. But things like this—this this conference that, we, that we're having this weekend—I uh, hope will be a, a, a catalyst for the congregations, at least the congregations in this area, uh, to get back to the basics of evangelism. Um, and if your congregation isn't doing something like that, maybe it's time to, again, go ahead and, and ask your leadership if this is something that they think is important, if this is something that they think is um, worth doing to, to, to get the ball rolling. But 
don't expect that to go without pushback because, again, if it was, if it was that easy, <laughs> we'd already be doing it. But at some point, we, we kind of lost the, the zeal or the focus. And, and you know, I get it. We, we, we went from being in, in the kind of environment where having debates, having these kinds of arguments was common and popular and seen as the right thing to do. And then suddenly the, the landscape kind of shifted to where debate was kind of a, a bad word in Christian circles. Um, and having a debate or having an argument about doctrine was, was seen as kind of a taboo thing, uh, not not the right thing to do. And so in that environment, we kind of became insular. We, we, we knew what we believed. We knew what those other people believed. We knew we didn't agree, but we also just agreed to not talk about it. Um, and there, you know, there was a focus on, well, just live a good life and, and people will be attracted to your good life. And obviously, that is part of this. I mean, you, you need to be an example and a model for the things that you believe. But being a model of Christianity doesn't go all the way in terms of teaching somebody what they need to know in order to be saved. It teaches them what a saved person looks like, look like, and it will make them either interested in what you're doing or not. Some, sometimes it won't, but in, in some cases it will. Um, but then when they ask the question, you know, I mean, if the whole point is to get them to ask the question, and then they ask the question, you still have to have an answer. You still have to be able to, to talk to them. And again, we, we, uh, our other brother brought up the scripture, you know, always being ready to have a defense of the hope that's in, within you. And the, the Bible is clear about this. We should always be ready, in season and out of season, to have this conversation. And the fact that if we're walking around claiming to be a Christian, but we are not able to answer the question about what does it mean to be a Christian, how do you become a Christian, what's the difference between your Christianity and, and somebody else's thing, you got to need, you got to have those answers. And so the study, in order to be prepared, is the first thing. And then being willing to go out and do it is the second thing. And if we're not doing either one of those things, then what are we doing? <laughs> Because the point of this is the point of Christianity is to make Christians, to make disciples, to, to to grow the kingdom of God, so that we can save as many people as possible. If we're not doing that, then it's just a social club. We're just getting together to enjoy each other's company um, and but there's no impact. There's no there's no point beyond 
beyond that. Um, the Great Commission applies to all. We all we've all been given the task to go and preach the gospel to the world. And I know it's it's easy to say, okay, we, well we we've got an evangelist. We pay the evangelist. That's that's his job. Or we've got missionaries. We we pay the missionaries. They they go out. And they, that's what they do. Um, so I'm doing my part. Yes, I mean, it, and it's good to support missionaries to support evangelists. It's it's good to do that. But there are people that that the evangelist is not going to be able to reach that are in your sphere of influence. There are people that the missionary is not going to be able to reach because they're in your sphere of influence. You still have a responsibility. I still have a responsibility. I'm trying, you know, I'm here. I'm on this radio show. I'm I'm on YouTube in order to reach the people that I can with the, with the 10 followers I have on my YouTube channel. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is the way or one of the ways that I'm, I'm overcoming my personal uh, challenges in order to, to reach out and, and, and educate people about the practice. You can find your way. If you need help, you can find people who can help who will help you. Hopefully, there's somebody at your congregation who is willing to to walk with you. And if not, come find somebody who is. So that's my lesson. It's more of a, 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 a an encouragement, you know. We all have reasons why we don't evangelize as much as we do. But those reasons are are little more than excuses, really. We know what what God calls us to. God calls us to to teach the gospel. We all have responsibility to, to spread the message. We should all be looking for ways in our own personal lives Get educated, get prepared, find opportunities to spread the gospel. Is it easy? No. Is it comfortable? No. But it's not designed to be. (laughs) It's not supposed to be. It's a challenge. But it's worth it because the goal is the saving of souls. And that is worth far more than any pain or, or suffering that we might endure doing the work. So I hope that's been encouraging, encouraging to you. I hope that that has helped you uh, in some way. If you need help, resources, things like that, feel free to reach out to us here uh, on the Gospel Light Radio Show. And hopefully we can point you in the right direction. Um, but we all have um, responsibilities. We all have the obligation. God calls us to 
not only to live this life, but to tell others the story. And it's a good story. Full of hope. Full of power. It's a story that we, we say we love telling. But if we haven't told anyone, it doesn't do any good to them. You know, it's going to save us, but it could be so much more. So I hope that's uh, been encouraging to you. Please. Uh, think on these things and, and, and allow them to, to spur you on, to, to want to go share the story with somebody in your life today. Thank you for listening, and keep listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Love 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific need. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. This is a program reminder. Stevie B's Media Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. The telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. Or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website. Just type in Stevie B. Uh, just type in, I'm sorry, Blog Talk Radio. Or you can just type in Stevie B in your search bar once you get to the Blog Talk Radio website. And you'll see all of my shows will just pop up. Or you can type in your search bar www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday evening, I'm hosting a live show, What a Word from the Lord radio show. And on the second Tuesday of the month, this show will air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on the second Tuesday of the month on that show, we will have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who will be making their proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And also on that show, we have the Community Corner segment for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community. And one of my four co-hosts will also be um, making a, a proclamation on that live show as well. Actually, just two of my co-hosts, Lou Gibbert 
and Isa Mullins, who giving serves as evangelist for the Oak Hill Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And my other co-host, uh, Isa Mullins, who serves with the Church of Christ there in Cary, North Carolina. Now, on the third Tuesday of the month, the show, What With The Lord, will air at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my newest co-host, Dr. Etherica Lane, she's a board-certified obstetricianist and gynecologist. She serves with the Gray Road Church of Christ there in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she'll be hosting her new show called Conversations with Dr. Lane. And then on the fourth Tuesday of the month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, my co-host, she serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. She has her show, The Kelly Fletcher Show. And then on Thursday evening each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And that's the show that's airing here tonight. And I have seven co-hosts on that show, Clay Phillips, Dr. Frank Washington, Steve Cole, Robert E. Johnson, Glenn McMillian, Courtney Brothers, and Brian Christian Coleman. On the show, who will be making their proclamation of the gospel of Christ each week. I have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. And I'll also be taking a question from my social media platform, Facebook, that I'll be posted to one of my co-hosts on this live show as well. And then on Friday night, I'll be hosting a live show, Stevie B. Acapella Gospel Music Blast. This show is the 2022 recipient for the Macama National Academy of Christian Acapella Music Artist Award for Outstanding Achievement in Record for Record or Radio. And that show will air from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. On this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, Sweet Sounds of Voices, and we're also interviewing artists, uh, producers, writers, comedians, etc. on that broadcast as well. And every third Friday of the month, we have my Top 20 Countdown show. And this, these shows also have my on-demand episodes. If you haven't had a chance to listen to any of these live shows, wherever you're getting your favorite podcast from, just go to the various platforms and type in Stevie B Media Production, and you'll see all of the shows that we're producing here on a weekly basis. Also, have recorded version shows as well. And those shows will only be heard on iHeartRadio, on Deezer, and also on Amazon Music. Just search for Stevie B recorded version shows. And we also want to thank all of our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you want to be a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4705. The three E's of Stevie B Media Production, it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in our study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Live Radio Show. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
Don't you worry, don't you 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. I want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in a study of God's Word. I want to thank my co-host Glenn McMillian and Brian Christian Coleman for their efforts on the broadcast this evening. It is my prayer that these lessons that were given on the show this evening have been beneficial to your spiritual lives. And your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continual blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real, real good. You've been listening to the Gospel Light radio show. On behalf of my co-hosts, we really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Steve R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light radio show.
Thank you. 